Hey, thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. Have you ever, like, wondered, though, like, when you think about me, have you ever wondered, like, where all this nerd or geeky or Greek and Hebrew or theology, like, history, like, where does all this trivial stuff come from? Like, my wife sometimes, like, I wish I could be in your brain. But then, like, she quickly adds, no, actually, I don't. Because, like, how my mind works, it's, it's like there's a little thread. I see a little thread, and I just start to tug at it. Do you all really, like, get those? Right? I have like one of our C112 shirts and I remember like, I'm like, where's that thread go? And like, you just start to tug at it and you're like, before you know it, you're, you've unraveled your shirt. You're like, oh wow, that's where that thread went. Or like I have a favorite pair of shorts and like I, I tug at it and I'm like, I'm like my absolute favorite pair of shorts, not my jean shorts. Mary doesn't like going to wear those. But like I like some, some, some black workout shorts and uh, I wear those out sometimes. But there's a thread and I pulled and it's gone and it's like, oh man. Is there any chance we could buy like another pair? But we don't know where we buy them because oftentimes we go to like dirt cheap and we go to Goodwill and we just like buy stuff and we can't <laughs> re- replicate it. I follow threads. I'm notorious for following threads. You ever, you ever hear of the, the, the job title, the United States Consultant for Poetry? It's random, isn't it? Like we know it nowadays is a poet laureate. Right? The Poet Laureate. So I, I, I was going to bring a book and I'm like, no, it's not about me. But like, I wrote a poem and it got published. <laughs> like everyone writes a poem and it gets published. But um, the Poet Laureate usually is someone who's like a big deal. The Library Congress, like their main librarian. So if you ever wondered like, gosh, librarians are boring. This is boring. Like librarians are a big deal. They kind of keep us smart, right? Or at least they provide the tools for us to stay learned, learned. My friend Paul, he always tells people, if you want to win in life, you got to read more books. So the librarian for the United States sets these programs and picks these people to create initiatives to like keep them going intellectually in certain veins. And so they choose every year or two, they'll choose a poet laureate, meaning that's a person who you're going to be our consultant for poetry. You're going to read your stuff because it's really good, but we also want you to like continue these arts. I'll tell you all that. They have some duties. They read poems, obviously. A lot of their poems, they read them. They work on projects. They find other poets. So, like, not only are they good at what they do, but they'll find other poets, and they'll bring them in, like, hey, America, you should be listening to these people because they, they're expressing some really good stuff. They create initiatives to further poetry, and, like, they even have, like, an office where, uh, in the Library of Congress, like, where they're looking at the Capitol. Like, how cool is that? Like, you get to look at the That's your job. And they don't get paid from the government. Like there's, a, there's an endowment fund, so they get 60 grand just, uh, per year just for being who they are. And they just get to look at the capital. They don't have to worry about all the politics. They just get to write what's on their heart and in their mind. We've had some famous ones, Gwendolyn Brooks. So like back when I was in uh, middle school, I remember reading some of her poems. Robert Frost, y'all have heard of Robert Frost. Uh, he, he was a poet laureate. William Stafford is who I want to talk to you about just briefly. As we get started, he wrote, in his lifetime, he wrote 22,000 poems. Like, I, I, I don't think I'll ever write 22,000 sermons. And if you're like, well, poems aren't as long, but you, you really, if you've ever written, have you ever written poems? They're hard. Haikus are the worst, I think. 
But like poems are, they're difficult because like you have to think through what do I want to say? How do I want to say it? Do I want it to rhyme? Does it have to have meter? Like you have to go through a few of these things in your mind before you even write it down. And then by the time I'm done thinking about it, I'm like, ah, let's go get like an ice cream and just call it a day. His final poem, listen to this, his final poem that he wrote, like his final couple lines that he wrote the day he had a heart attack, 1993, he said this, you don't have to prove anything, just be ready for what God sends. I'm like, that's really cool. Like, so I kept tugging on that thread of William Stafford. Let me tug on that thread a little bit more. He had a poem called The Way It Is. I'm going to read it to you. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you're pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it is hard for others to see. And while you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. I'm like, man, that's really good. Like, I thought about that thread. Scripture, Scripture has like a, you've probably heard it before, Scripture has like a scarlet thread that weaves from Genesis to Revelation. Like there's a thread in Scripture, like if you tug on it, you will see and you will find where it's leading. And if you're holding on to that thread, the scarlet thread, like you, we'll talk about it today, like you'll live forever. You won't get lost. Now, I don't know if that's what William Stafford was writing about, although he was a Christian. But when you're holding on to that thread, however, however big that cord is, that rope, that lifeline, you don't get lost. When all this other stuff's passing you by, you don't get lost. God has given us a thread or, or themes in the Bible. And so there's a lot of different threads. The thread of grace, the thread of love, um, the thread of faithfulness, forgiveness. Like there's a lot of threads, but there's one thread in particular, the scarlet thread that we're going to look at today. And so if you're in the book of John, uh, Jesus said, just kind of recap where we've been. Jesus gives seven statements about himself. And, and that's, that's, the main, that's the main thing about scripture is like every part of scripture points to Jesus. We read out of Psalm 89 earlier and that was pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. You can read in Genesis chapter three, and you're like, no way. Yes, Genesis chapter three, it's pointing to Jesus. We've got to follow this thread and hold on to it. Jesus' identity of himself, you can write this down, Jesus' identity of himself to us paves the way for life forever with him. Like when he presents his identity of who he is, he's like, I am this, and he gives it to us. When we hold on to that, it paves the way that we live forever. So just to recap, who is Jesus? He said in John chapter 6, Verses 35, 48, and 51, he says, number one, I'm the bread of life. We talked about that. Number two, he says, I'm the light of the world, John chapter 8 and John chapter 9, verse 5. He says, number three, I'm the gate for the sheep. That was probably like my favorite, uh, one of my favorites of this series to do, a series of teachings, like to think about, because I've been to the arch. I've been up in the arch to think about like Jesus allows us to go in and come out. We'll talk about that in a moment. Number four, he's the good shepherd, which was also in that same passage. He is the resurrection and the life, number five, and you see that in John chapter 11. Number six, he's the way, the truth, and the life. A definite article, the, before each of those, the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not a truth, 
not a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And number seven, he is the true vine, John chapter 15, and that was a couple weeks ago. And that when we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. So today, and I don't normally do this, this is really like old school Baptisty, but like I, I do want to give you, because we're tugging on this thread, right? I want to give you three threads about the I am statements to just kind of tie this all together. Three statements. Number one, the scarlet thread. Number two, the trouble thread. And number three, the deadly thread of life. Number one, scarlet thread. Several, and I, I dare say like over half of these seven statements, okay? Five of these statements, Jesus tugs on this scarlet thread of eternal salvation. And so like when we're looking at them, and we're going to go through and look at these, the first one is in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I love that because he adds on to it. He says, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Our response to Jesus' identification of who he is grants us satisfaction. He's like, listen, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty. Like you will have our yes, you can put it this way, our yes positions us for satisfaction in Christ alone. Because if you go to Jesus, guess what? You're not going anywhere else. Like if we're like, hey, I'm having a problem right now. I'm going to go to Jesus. Then you're not going to go gamble away your problems or drink away your sorrows somewhere else. Like you're going, I'm, I believe in you, Jesus. I'm going to you for this issue. And that's why he's like, you'll never hunger or thirst again. If you believe in him, you can't believe in something else. Like we saying, we believe you are good. You can't be anything else. Because if we believed that football was good, and that's our God, then all of a sudden we can't believe that they are both equally true. And that football's not a way of life. I mean, like, I mean, if you watch Ted Lasso, then football is life. But like, it's not really life, right? It's just a silly example. But like, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket and then be like, oh, but I want to put some eggs in another basket. There's no way. There's absolutely no way you can do that. To believe in Jesus is total. And it denies everything else. So later on in chapter 6, verse 51, he says, says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He says this, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Believing in Jesus, and this is elementary, but believing in Jesus grants us eternal life. So, tugging on this scarlet thread, first we look at Jesus, the bread of life, but next we look at John chapter, uh, John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. It's interesting, out of seven I am statements, five of them, he says, I am this, and if you believe in me, then this will happen. And he keeps tugging and showing us this scarlet thread, this thread made of his blood. He keeps showing us this over and over and over again. That we will never walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. The scarlet thread of Jesus gives us this life. And I want to say this, and you've probably seen it in your life, there's nothing else that gives us life, like helps us to feel alive, except for Jesus. Like I've, I've tried. I've tried. I'm 41. I've tried other things. And I'm like, this will help me feel alive. It doesn't. 
Like you have thrill seekers. They're like, well, let me go on one more ride and get one more high from this ride. And they don't. We, we, you know, like you, you've got family members you probably know that like, I'm, I'm going to try to feel alive through drugs. And they can't. It does not work. Like, but what about shrooms? No, that doesn't work either. Like they will always feel empty. There's nothing that gives us life. I've seen people exist and I've seen people live. And those are two different things. There's a difference between existing and lifting and Jesus Christ separates the both. The third thing, John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says that his identity brings us pasture, freedom, and rescue. John chapter 10, verse Verse 9, he says, I am the gate, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will come in and go out, and he will find pasture. I love it. Like, Jesus saying, I am this, and my scarlet thread shows you if you tug on it, this is what's going to happen. You'll be saved, number one. That's most important. Saved from what? Saved from our sins. And I know that's elementary because we've been around church for a while, but like, we're saved from our way of living, our selfishness, and like, we are given life. Then he says, you're able to come in and go out and you'll have pasture. It won't just be terrible. And I can say that, like I listened to a lot of little miniature biographies of men. I've told you this before. On, um, you can listen to it on, on Facebook, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. It's called 365 Men. And they go through like a five minute little miniature biography of men that have walked with Jesus. And some of them are still alive today. Some of them have been martyred hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And like, it's so interesting to see how they trusted in Jesus. And even those that were in jail or in prison, they're like, no, I have everything I need in Jesus. Like to, to listen to these stories, man, it's so encouraging for me. Four, John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Like this is the explicit outcome of the scarlet thread. Belief in Jesus gives life. We're like we never die. It's like Goonies on steroids. We never die. Now, this is in the context of Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. He had been dead at this point. The Jewish people, uh, they believed in a resurrection. At this point, some of them believed in a resurrection at the end of time when the Savior would come back. And so the, Martha was like, yeah, I believe he's going to live again. Like at the very end when you come back. He's like, no, he's going to live right now. Watch. M Martha patterns for us a proper response. She says, verse 27, she says, yes, Lord. That should always be our first response to Jesus. Yes, Lord. I love that because like Isaiah 26, 8, and that's like the, the, the whole theme of passion and Passion City Church and Passion Conferences. So like, yes, Lord, walking in your truth, your name and renown and the desires of our heart. Like when, when God was calling Samuel the pro to be a prophet, he was just a kid. And Eli's like, hey, your response needs to be yes, Lord, here am I. Like our response should always be first and foremost, yes, Lord. She says, yes, Lord, she tells him. I believe. That's number two. That's the other thing that we should say. Yes, Lord, I believe. What? You are the Messiah. The rescuer. And then she qualifies it by saying the Son of God. Like that, that's like one of the most beautiful 
responses we, we, I've ever seen in Scripture. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Four things. Your life begins with, yes, Lord. Fifth little part of this in the end of the scarlet thread, and we'll get on to the trouble in just a moment. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says that he is the vine, right? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me. What do you need to do? Remain in him. What happens? Produces much fruit. I want to remind you, no matter what your role in life is right now, it's not just being a dad. It's not just being a mom. It's not just being a husband or a wife or a friend or a relative or a student or a dancer or whatever. Your role in life is that you have purpose in Jesus. And so I love that five out of the seven I am statements tells you and me what happens when we trust in Jesus. It's like, man, you've got purpose on this planet. You're not here on accident. You're not just a bunch of cells that were fashioned together on accident. That's the scarlet thread, just tying up these, these five out of the seven. I want to tell you about the trouble thread, John chapter 8. Go on and flip to John chapter 8. The trouble thread for Jesus, this is, what gets, this is what's going to get him in trouble. It's what's going to get him stoned. Or, well, not stoned, but, like, killed. I want to tell you, though, before I read it, is that Jesus' followers often get in trouble with culture because we follow Jesus and not culture. Because we follow Christ and not culture. Like, there's stuff in America right now that culture is pushing towards us and on us. And they call us bigots or um, hateful if we don't put pronouns in our Instagram bio or whatever, for example. And that's what culture is saying. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I've got another way. I've got a better way, a fuller way. And that's just one example. I mean, you can look at politics and you can look at society and, and there's all sorts of ways. Culture, if, if we follow Christ, culture will get us in trouble a lot. And Jesus uh, gives us a, a, an interesting example here. We follow a way as believers, we follow a way that's 2,000 plus years old. And it's not because it's ancient and it's antiquated and it's, and it's dumb. It's because it's the way and the truth and the life. So when we approach culture, we approach it with scripture. We're like, well, what does scripture say about this? What does scripture say about internet? Jesus says, let all that you do be done for the glory of God. Or what does it say about work? Work as if you're working for the Lord. What does it say about cussing? Like, if you have anger in your heart, then like you've already murdered someone. Like it says these things. And so we follow a better way. Not what society tells us. Quick little, I have a couple minutes, quick little sidetrack. There are things going on in the spiritual, um, in my spiritual circles that I'm in, like theological circles, that people are trying to redefine what Scripture says today versus what it said 2,000 years ago. 
And like, that's always going to get you in trouble. I'm like, yeah, 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 but society really thinks that we should, we should move this direction and we should be more inclusive of whatever. And Jesus' way, was I telling you this? Was I telling my friend this last night? Jesus' way is exclusive. It's very exclusive. But it, he is the way and the truth and the life and the only way to get to God. The absolute only way. So it separates us from cults, from other religions. In my job, and I, go, and I, and I meet a lot of different types of people and a lot of different religions or a lot of different philosophies, and, and they'll tell me things like, oh, you know, like my religion is the same as yours. I'm thinking, no, no, it's not, man. Way different. I don't say that to them at the moment. Like I, I kind of work my way into it. You can actually approach people two ways. You can approach them really brashly and you can tell them they're wrong to their face. Or you could, you could be a little more loving, a little more tactful, and you can work your way in. I mean, that's on you. But Jesus has a way that he tells so what got him in trouble? What's the trouble thread? John chapter 8, verse 19, the second part of that. I want to re read it to you. They asked him, well, where's your father? You know neither me nor my father. Jesus answered, if you knew me, you would also know my father. James, that doesn't sound like really controversial. That's planting some seeds to what he's about to say in verse 24. Therefore, I told you, dummies. I didn't, I'm just kidding. He didn't say dummies. He probably thought it, though. Therefore I, told you, dummy, uh, therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that this is what gets him in trouble right here. I am he. You will die in your sins. Now, I glossed over that when we first studied this several weeks ago. Because we, 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 uh, we had another thread we were pulling that day. Today, we need to know that Jesus, in verse 19, says, If you knew me, you would know my father. Uh, I don't really get it. Verse 24, a little more explicit. I am he, and unless you believe in me, you, you will die in your sins. He goes further. Verse 28, he says, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. I do nothing on my own. James, like, it didn't sound like he's calling himself God. Maybe he's calling himself God. Look at verse 58. We'll scroll down. This is what absolutely gets him in trouble. Because you see verse 59, it says, so they picked up stones to throw at him. This is what gets him in trouble, because now he's like, let me spell it out for you dummies. Y'all ever see that guy on TikTok? And like, he always calls his kid dummy, like they do the jokes together. And he's like, hey, uh, he's like, hey son, I got a joke. And he, he tells his son the joke, and he's like, and the son's like, oh, it's this. He's like, no, dummy. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm dumb, like with life. And Jesus has to, Explain it to me like I'm five because I'm I, like I complicate things so much and he knows that we will complicate things so much And so he says it explicitly truly I tell you before Abraham was I am and All of a sudden everybody loses their mind. Well James like I don't understand like, like what does that mean? I've shared with you before that Jesus would often say, um, truly I say to you. Now in the King James, this is verily, verily I say unto thee. And I don't know if you ever wondered like what verily means or truly means, uh, or the word, actually the word amen is where we get this from, like the Greek word amen. 
but uh, rabbis would need to have, like if they were saying something, like for example, if I'm preaching and I'm saying something to you, I'm not a rabbi, but I'm teaching something to you, like I would have to have another authority to say, yes, what James is saying is true, is true. Now, side note, anywhere you ever go, anybody you ever watch on TV, myself included, I am, you always need to um, put what you hear from someone in a book, in a sermon, in a podcast, and hold it up to scripture. That's why it's so important to like look side by side. Well, what is James saying with scripture? Because I may be wrong sometimes. I, I study hard and I don't want to be wrong. Because I know one day I'm going to be held really accountable for what I say to the Lord. Or to you of the Lord. So I don't want to be wrong, but there's sometimes we get it wrong. The rabbis would have to have another person saying, ah, yep, what James is saying is true. Amen. That's why, we, like, if you've ever been to church and say, Amen. That's why they do it, because they're like, oh, that's true. Although sometimes it's a good old boy thing, and they're just saying amen for, for the fun of it. That's how Jesus should have operated. But because he is the truth, and his father has already put his seal of approval on him, Jesus says, amen, amen, I say to you, like, whatever I'm telling you is truth. So Jesus says, amen, amen, I tell you, this is the truth. Before Abraham was, and this starts to tick them off, I am. Now, that word, the, that word, I, me, E-I-M-I, means I am, and Jesus is hearkening back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. When Moses, God calls Moses, there's a bush burning, Moses goes over to him, like, that's a weird bush. And God speaks to him all of a sudden, and God's like, hey, uh, Mr. Stutterer, I want you to go set my people free from Egypt. I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to set all my Israelite people free. All two million of them? Yeah, even Fred? Yes, even Fred. I want you to set them all free. That's going to be really hard. I need to tell them that someone is sending me with some authority. Who do I say that you are? And God says, this is my name, God says, I am. Let me write that down. I am. I am what? And God says, I am that I am. I exist. Like it's God's proper name. So when Jesus says, I am, that's what gets him in trouble because now he is saying, I am God. And that's why they wanted to stone him. That's why he got in trouble. That's what gets, separates Christianity from other religions and cults is that Jesus is God. He's not an inferior being to God. He's not a lesser God. He's not subordinate to God. Jesus has his role. God, has, God the Father has his role, but Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He has full power. He is all-knowing. He is all-seeing. Like there's nothing that Jesus as God does not have. He's all love, so his death will be all-satisfying for us. That's what gets him in trouble. That's what gets him betrayed. That's what gets him his trial. And then I want you to flip to John 18 and we'll be done. This is the deadly thread of life. Like if you had one last chance to save yourself, what would you do, right? What would you do? Jesus has one last chance to save himself. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. I was there. Not there when he was there, but I was there. I was there October 26th, 2018. Chapter 18, verse 5. They're trying, to, they're trying to figure out who this guy, like, are you Jesus? They're like, we're looking for Jesus. They answered, and Jesus says, what's he say? He says, I am he. 
We see it again. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them when Jesus told them, what did he tell them? I am he. They stepped back and fell to the ground. Oh, James, he's just identifying himself. No, no, no. Jesus was using those words specifically. Verse 8, he says, I told you I am he. These, these other people can't satisfy what you want. They can't satisfy what we need. Only Jesus can. I want to tell you that this thread has been weaving its way through Scripture and through life since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In Genesis 3.15, there's the curse that God places on the serpent, on the man, and on the woman. So, like, we have a friend that's pregnant, and I'm like, man, I feel sorry for you, because pregnancy out here is tough. But it wasn't designed to be that way. I have a friend with cancer. We weren't designed to have cancer. It's tough. A friend with dementia. We weren't designed to have dementia. It was all a part of the curse, the fall, the breaking of, of everything because of sin. But God says this, to the serpent. He says, I will put the serpent, meaning, I believe the serpent was the devil. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And that word offspring in the Hebrew is a, is a singular word, not all of our kids. One kid. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel, meaning like Jesus will crush the head of the enemy. Exodus chapter 26 and Exodus chapter 28, there's a scarlet thread, literally, that God says, hey, I want you to put a scarlet thread, a scarlet cord in the temple. He's like, I want you to put a scarlet thread uh, in Exodus 28, like on your ephod. So the royal priests that come and like they connect people to God. He's like, I want you as a priest, I want you to have a scarlet thread on your ephod. So like when you're the closest to me, there's a scarlet thread running through that. Okay, that's kind of interesting. Joshua chapter 2, verse 18, there's... They send out some spies. They send out some spies into the promised land. And so they go to this lady named Rahab. She's not Jewish. She's like a prostitute of the other people. And she puts a scarlet cord down to rescue these men. That's not random. The scarlet thread represented that Rahab as a non-Jewish person and her family would be saved, and they were. She's actually in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. So if you're like, man, genealogies are dumb. Genealogies are neat because you study people's names long enough. You're like, huh, that's what that means. We know that Jesus would become our Passover lamb. So like, we know that in Exodus, when they talk about the Passover lamb, like you're going to slay this innocent, perfect lamb, and you're going to put its red, scarlet blood across the doorposts of your homes. And now we know that Jesus is our Passover lamb, and that his blood, his scarlet blood, is over the doorposts of our hearts, and that God passes over us if we've trusted in Jesus. When you follow this thread, you won't get lost. You won't stumble, and you won't fall. So when we look at these I am statements of Jesus, I just want to encourage you. These are seven I am statements with big, big threads of life that we should look to. But if you hold on to that scarlet thread of Jesus, man, you won't be shaken. Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you, God, that as the Father, 
for our good and our well-being, you sent your son Jesus Christ to sacrifice for us. And that his scarlet red blood shed for us gives us freedom. May we trust in you, Jesus. May we worship you, God. May we live for you forever. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.